Hi everyone, this is Dr. Jerevic, and this podcast is going to go over inflammation overview. And so inflammation is the body's immunological defense against tissue injury, infection, or allergy. And if you remember when we talked about immunity concept, we talked about how closely inflammation and immunity are very closely related. And we've talked about how the allergic response, um, that's immunity, and there's that inflammation that goes with it too. And so there can be times that with uh, inflammation that there is infection, but when there is inflammation, there is not always um, an infection. But when we do have an infection, there will always be an inflammatory response. Let me say that again. So With infection, there will always be an inflammatory response, but when we have inflammation, there's not always infection. So um, we can have um, an inflammatory response from anything from as simple as a splinter or think about that hangnail you get that's kind of red and and, uh, inflamed from anything to a biological response such as an infection or viral Now, an acute inflammation is that immediate response to tissue integrity, uh, tissue injury, and it's a short response, and that can usually last minutes to days, and it happens right after that harmful stimuli. And think about inflammation as like an alarm, letting the body know it needs some sort of fixing. Versus with chronic inflammation, this is when it can last weeks to years. And that's that inflammatory process is that tissue is repeatedly being destroyed and has problems with healing. And we talked about ulcerative colitis and Crohn's and that autoimmune and inflammation. And so there's that crossover between that immunity and inflammation. We can see the same with that rheumatoid arthritis exemplar we talked about also. And so during that inflammatory process, there's lots of chemicals and cells that are responding. And one of those that we've talked about before is histamine. We know that with histamine, it's the immune and inflammatory response. <clears throat> Another um, interesting one is when somebody has a CBC with a differential, we can see those neutrophils. And that's one of those types of WBCs. Um, it is uh, responds acutely to inflammatory process, especially with bacterial infections. Now, the lymphocytes that we can see within that CBC differential um, usually is response to virals. And I know we talked about um, eosinophils before, and that can be that allergic response or even a parasite. Those are some nice to know, not necessarily need to know as a nurse generalist, Um, but as we look at that, that's one of the ways healthcare providers can determine what's going on with a patient. And so during that acute injury, that 12 to 24 hours afterwards, that can last several days. Um, And then during the chronic, we talked about those different chemicals and processes um, that can be released. And so some of those help with the hemostasis and they actually help stop bleeding. That can be some of that fibrin stuff. We also talked about histamines and how it causes that vascular permeability. And that's not a good thing. That's when we have leaky vessels. Um, And so if we have leaky vessels, then that can cause that fluid to leak out of our our, 
um, blood vessels. And it can, we can see that by seeing a decrease in blood pressure. And um, long term, um, we can actually see fluid leaking into the lungs, which um, can obviously impair our gas exchange. Um, now, as far as a risk for inflammation, it can happen to anyone, any age. Although the very young and very old, uh, there is a thought that the body tries to compensate and releases extra um, mediators in response to any inflammation. Other people that can be at a little bit more risk are uninsured or underinsured. And part of that thought is that um, they may not respond to that uh, inflammation right away. And so that can cause things to go more to that uh, chronic phase from that acute phase. Um, poor hygiene, specifically when we think about hepatitis A, um, and genetics play a factor. And so hepatitis A is a foodborne, waterborne issue, and poor hygiene uh, can lead to this. It causes inflammation secondary to hepatitis. Um, other issues that could cause inflammation, not following standard precautions, thinking about infections um, and hand hygiene. And then there are some general things that can affect inflammation, such as smoking, obesity, drinking excessively, and chronic stress. Now, there's some different views about pregnant people and the immune response. Um, one of those thoughts is that um, the immune system diminishes to help protect the baby. Others think that they can see uh, more inflammation. And of course, if mom's experiencing stressful events or complications, it would make sense that we would see some inflammation there. Now, one of the things that we've talked about is excessive stress. Um, we know that there are a lot of mediators that are released during that time, and so this could lead to some damage and um, swelling if it's not controlled. <clears throat> um, also, you know, we talked about that vascular permeability and then that fluid going into the lungs and breathing issues. Um, now, think about it. When we have fluid shifting into um, our interstitial spaces, this is called third spacing. And that means that we're going from vascular spaces, our, our blood vessels, and we're going into that interstitial space. And there's really no function there. The fluid doesn't belong there. And if we're moving, again, out of that blood vessels into the interstitial space, um, means we have less in our in our vasculature, and that usually leads to decreased blood pressure. And it can lead to shock. And always remember that with shock, we're always going to see a low blood pressure. Now, some of the complications of inflammation, um, prolonged inflammation can harm organs such as the heart and brain. Uh, there's thought that there can be plaque buildup, which could lead to Alzheimer's. So we really want individuals to have a stress-free environment as possible. So nursing school is not going to be one of those environments, right? Um, and we know that stress can lead to inflammation. Uh, now, the ways that as nurses that we assess for inflammation is we're going to assess for pain, swelling, heat, redness, and then exudate. What does the exudate look like? It can be serous, uh, fibrinous, which is that kind of stringy stuff, um, hemorrhagic or purulent. We always want to make sure what that looks like. And then other things could be more uh, systemic, like a fever, leukocytosis, which just means elevated WBCs, malaise, and fatigue. <clears throat> now, some of the blood work we could do for somebody with inflammation, um, 
you guys should probably know these by heart by now. We, we've talked about them with each exemplar. The C-reactive protein, the erythrocyte sedimentation rate, the CBC with differential. Again, that differential helps to tell us there's different types of white blood cell counts. Um, there's also tests for viruses or antibodies, and we'll talk more. We've talked about that already with HIV, but we'll talk about it a little bit more when we talk about hepatitis. <clears throat> now, if we think there's injury inside the person, we can do some of those scans. So we could be looking at a CAT scan, an MRI, or a PET scan, or even think about the colonoscopy with somebody who had that Crohn's or um, not Crohn's, ulcerative colitis. And, and that's going to help to help set inflammation within the body. Now, some preventative things for inflammation, stress relieving, helping to teach our patients with coping, hand washing, uh, general protection, um, that the standard precautions, cleaning wounds appropriately, making sure that we teach patients to keep wounds clean and dry. And then uh, food and water sanitation, which is going to be important for the hepatitis. There really is no secondary prevention for inflammation. And then other interventions, if you think about that sprain or strain, I don't know how many of you have ever twisted that ankle or pulled a muscle, um, there's an acronym called RICE, R-I-C-E, like the food you eat. And the R stands for rest. So we would be resting that ankle or immobilizing it applying ice, um, and again, that 20 minutes on, putting that off um, like every couple hours. Compression, we would add like an elastic bandage, but always making sure we don't wrap that too tight. And then elevation of that extremity. And of course, that's gonna be above the level of the heart because that's what helps decrease that swelling. Other things um, that we could do as far as for other interventions, obviously if we have infections, we would be giving antibiotics. If it's an autoimmune disorder, we'd be giving you those immunosuppressants and steroids. And then, of course, if somebody's having pain, NSAIDs are going to be good because it's going to help with that analgesic as well as the anti-inflammatory. And then we could just be giving other analgesics as well. Now, our goals for somebody who has inflammation are going to be to manage that fever, decreasing that inflammation, providing the pain relief. And I think this is... Uh, been a basic good overview of inflammation. Obviously, those interrelated concepts that really, really relate to inflammation are going to be that infection and immunity. So I hope this was helpful. Thank you very much.